Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Is are talking absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. As long as I say we can persuade Willie to stay in Ireland, we'll stay in England. GSI, get stuck in. That's probably the most ridiculous question. It I've is, I know, but I had to ask um, you. No, you didn't have to ask me. You're calling out prices. Bookmakers prices on this channel, right? Yep. You couldn't have two bananas to a banana with the bookmaker. Something like a bag of hammers. The racing is under such scrutiny. Ah, if you don't like racing, go watch Peppa Pig. Welcome to the Final Forlum Podcast as we review a stellar weekend of jumps racing action which was pretty much all completely dominated by Willie Mullins, which bodes well for his rivals at the Leopardstown Dublin Racing Festival. Speaking of, if you have not got your tickets for the hottest show in town, the Dublin Racing Festival, good news, you can win them right here on the Final Furlong Podcast. All you have to do is click the subscribe button. If you're already subscribed, congratulations, you're entered in the draw. But if you haven't clicked it yet, hit the subscribe button now. One of our subscribers is going to win a pair of tickets for the Dublin Racing Festival worth 140 euro. It's a bundle pass, so you and a friend get to pick whichever day you want to go to, Saturday or the Sunday. You get admission, a race card, vouchers for food and a drink, and a tote bet. They're worth 70 euro each, 140 euro in total, and it can all be yours simply by clicking the subscribe button on YouTube right now. We'll announce the winner later in the week. As always, on a Monday, Katie Young, George Gorman alongside me as we talk about the key races. And we'll begin with the JCB Triumph Hurdle Trial. Three horses have won this race and gone on to win the big one itself. Catch It in 2007, Nicky Henderson's Peace & Co. in 2015, and Deputy Soy for JP McManus and Philip Hobbs in 2017. And George Gorman, Sergino, 
looked very, very special indeed. And his jumping was significantly improved from his debut appearance at Kempton. I'm sure Willie Mullins has got something, maybe even five special juvenile hurdlers that we'll see over the weekend. But they're going to have to go some way to beat this fellow. Yeah, no, exactly. I, he was very, very impressive, wasn't he, Emmett? Like, I, I personally, I wasn't too put out by his jumping first time out. He made a couple of novice errors, and the second of those errors was like coming to last on his own. I just thought he looked a bit green. There wasn't a touch of it here. Like, he didn't, he didn't pull too hard. He, he jumped well, and he was more than happy to go out and take the race by the scruff of the neck and say, "Come get me to Burdett Road." And he's, he probably outstayed him in the end. Burdett Road, who didn't help himself again by pulling quite hard. A couple of scrappy jumps on the way around. I I've, I've, was always of the opinion that with that horse, the waters were going to get too warm for the liberties he was taking at some point, whether it was the weekend just gone or whether it was at Cheltenham in March. It was eventually going to be, the waters were going to be too warm to like be making mistakes and pulling hard like he did. The third horse looked really nice, Milantino. Again, he will have to settle better because I think he's, he's certainly he's bred to get much further. But re- really nice-looking horse, like um, one for the future for sure. Maybe even potentially one for the um, for the Boodles in March. Um, I think he, he'll stay out the two miles well as it is, but he will have to settle better. But yeah, take, certainly I say it's a great form from the winner. So his, his race over in France has worked out incredibly well. He's got the third and the fourth horse came out and won since, and he had, he absolutely like blew them out of the way, and they both went and won their next start. And the second is now with Willie Mullins, who's entered on Saturday, Saturday in Salvador Monday. So we'll watch that with a lot of interest to see quite how if it pays him further compliments, which I'm I'm not sure he probably needs. Um, I think whatever Willie Mullins got, this probably just wins in March, to be honest. I, I think he's that good. Going forward to this weekend, it's, there's nothing really of a standout contender for the race this weekend. It's going to be who is the best of Willie's to win that race. Um, I kind of had my doubts about Burdett Road um, on, his, on his first start at Cheltenham. I think I, I think I said on this podcast earlier that I thought he'd be vulnerable um, in the fact that he just pulls too hard. Um, and I think that is kind of his, um, that's where he kind of exposes himself a little bit. Um, he's never going to be able to be dropped in at the back of a field with nothing behind him, especially in the triumph when they're going to go a gallop and they're going to be strung along. He's always going to have to keep creeping into a race. And you could see for the first part of the race, he was settled. And then just as they were getting strung along a bit more and, Harry was letting him creep up. You could just see he was getting keener and keener and keener. And he was just, he would just looked rotten um, from about four out. And he just left his race there, I'd say. He actually did well to finish where he did. Um, I think he just burnt out coming up the hill. And there was, I did have a, I did think to myself, maybe did he just might have needed that run? Um, it's been a long time since his, um, since his previous start and, he might improve a little bit for that, but I just can't see him improving anymore until he drops, starts dropping the bridle. Um, and until that, until then, I I think he's his own worst enemy. Um, but yeah, so Gino, very, very impressed with him. Um, I thought he put in a very good round of jumping. I just think he's a little bit careful more than anything, um, which isn't a bad thing, but ideally I'd like to see him just 
flick through his hurdles. Um, he, he probably loses a little bit of momentum and you know, spends a little bit too much time in the air over his hurdles, but probably not going to be affecting him this year. If he would stay over hurdles next year, it might be it might be a little bit vulnerable, but I'd say he looks like he'd be going chasing at some point in his career. But yeah, very taken performance. And I'd be uh, confident to be on him at this point. Um, be interesting to see, like George says, what, what comes out the Dublin Racing Festival this weekend. But I was very taken by him. It's very unusual. He's kind of like Lossy Mouth. They both have a really strong national hunt pedigree. So you'd imagine yeah. whatever they're doing now, they're going to be even better going forward. Looks like Lossy Mouth is quite special. Uh, more on her to come. But Nicky Henderson was describing him as a novice chaser for next season. Not a champion hurdle horse. That's going to be where, where you're going to see the best of him. He was actually a second quicker than Lossy Mouth was on the same card. So if you want to read into that, um, <laughs> reads pretty well to me anyway. Over in Doncaster, Gordon Elliott is now five from five with Wadu. It is a Phillies juvenile hurdle. She's more of a boodle source than a triumph horse in my mind, Katie. But would you agree with that? I actually thought it was a very clever bit of placing here from Gordon Elliott um, in kind of regards to protecting a handicap mark for the season. Um, by bringing her to the UK, not only, not only has he been able to utilise the good prize money offer here for this division and winning impressively while doing so, she, she maybe have beaten little in defeat, um, you could argue that, but what they are doing in the process is they're keeping her mark at a level which is way below what it realistically is. If she was doing what she was doing over in Ireland, her Irish mark would already be well into the 130s and then she'd be looking at a mark of probably around 140 coming into the UK. However, they've been able to keep her mark, Irish mark at 126 and 130 in the UK. It's highly unlikely that the handicapper will be able to adjust her off the base of this list at the weekend over in Doncaster as she is £15 higher here than the second place horses. And the highest rate horses other rate in this race was, I think, about 116. Um, I doubt she'd be competitive to be um, running any any decent race in the Triumph. However, if she was to head to the Boodles off a mark of one tip on 130, I think she could be incredibly well, well handicapped. Um, and this would be an exceptional race plan that Gordon's developed here. Uh, yeah, I just thought really clever bit of placing. Um, she's a 72 rated flat horse for Sir Michael Stout. And I think she's kind of blown that out of the water, really. I say there's horses there, 90, rated 90, probably running the, aiming for the boodles now. And I'd say she's well above them. Um, but yeah, found a niche over jumps this season. And I was pretty impressed with her performance on kind of dead ground at Doncaster. Might not have suited her um, as well. A bit of nice ground in the spring will... Might see it to be a little bit more effect, but I doubt there'll be many 130-rated juveniles heading into Cheltenham with 70k and under the belt already. Absolutely spot on about the placing, because her, as you said, her mark can't go up too high. Um, but even if it did, Brazil, who you know very well, obviously you're working with him every day, uh, he won off a mark of 137 when he somehow beat Gaelic Warrior. Uh, Aramax had a mark of 138. Band of Outlaws was 139. A veneer of charm for Gordon was 129, so just out of the 130s. It's really smart. Mm -hmm. I think Biker was in the 130s when he was second in, in the juvenile hurdle last season yeah. as well. It's just, it's it's very shrewd. said her Irish form is working out better and better as we go yeah. as well. Like the, the defeat, 24 length defeat of Pigeon House is double what Interlotto beat the same horse. 
Mm. And obviously, I know she got the uh, got the race in the stewards' room, but um, be, beating Nurburgring starting to look very good as well. If, yeah. if being in Ireland, continuing to put in performances like that, like Kate said, she'd be very high. And somehow, she's managed to find a way to beat the same horse twice on two on two runs to England. She beat them a bit further this time, but they can't really justify putting her up masses for it. It's it's um, a very good bit of placing, and they'll certainly owe Ollie pairs a drink if they do go and win the Boodles with her. With her. <laughs> Because <laughs> Max of Max of Stars is an admirable horse. He's I, I really really like Max of Stars, but um, I'd lo- I'd love to see that horse get his head in front soon. But um, it's had a massive impact on the fact that they won't be able to change the mark a whole lot for Wadu now. Ordinelius at his absolute finest. First of the Willie Mullins Bingo, Paddy Paracotts Wall Chase. This race has had very little impact on the Gold Cup. The winner has not gone on to win the Gold Cup for twenty four years. The last one to do it was Looks Like Trouble all the way back in 19 dickety do. It's a horrible race to look back on, given what happened to poor old, that's all right, Gino, who was a real star for the Snowden Yard. And who knows how high he could have gone. Uh, he was brilliant in the Carl Gold Cup slash Hennessy. Um, horrible, really, really horrible. Uh, thoughts with Jamie Snowden, Gavin Sheehan, and all the connections. But the winner isn't even entered in the Gold Cup. Uh, the second, it's just not showing the brilliant jumping that won him the Brown Advisory last year. It's just not there. But to his credit, he did stay on past Stay Away Faye, George. Uh, what did you make of the Paddy Power Cotswold chase? And hats off, by the way. <coughs> Tip of the cap to Katie Young, who put this horse up at 10 to 1. <coughs> Katie, phenomenal stuff. Capadano out jumping the opposition. Something's very wrong there. Um, yeah, I, I was with Capadano on the day as well, to be fair. I, I went with him anti-post. You know, I just thought this race just read like a race that was going to turn into a bit of a burn-up and a horse like him or the ill-fated Dato Igino would, would have been suited to sort of come and pick up the pieces. But I think he was better than that. Like, I was sort of expecting him just be able to nick it when the ones in front got tired. But he was he sort of showed a bit of a return to form. Like, I... His his Grade One novice win at Punchestown, like that was, although it was like nearly two years ago, it was only four starts ago for him. Like he's like, and obviously he didn't really have a season last year. Like I think you completely forget last year. This horse had a lot of promise not that long ago, and was very quickly forgotten. And finishing upside um, Jerry Clom the time before, whether Jerry Clom ran his race or not, was a real good effort. Um, I'd be more positive about the real Wacker. I, I thought he jumped quite well, to be honest. I, I would have been quite pleased with him. He was a bit jumped a bit right at times, which obviously he didn't normally do. In in general, I think he jumped quite well. It was it was certainly a step in the right direction from what we have seen from him this year. Um, I also say a hoy senor I'd take from the race. So he had he had got his big mistake out the way nice and early, which you you like to see from him doing it at the start rather than the end. And was actually running a right race when Stephen Mulqueen's stirrup lever snapped. And you actually look, he's, he does his best, Stephen Mulqueen, on him. But he, he is very unbalanced coming down the hill. Like, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. He, try, he sort of tries to sit up on his knees. And he's sort of having to do a sort of rising canter to just to keep himself from sort of overbalancing. For a horse like him that like, needs a lot of help from the jockey, I think he's run very, very well. I wouldn't be surprised to see him coming back into form like next time out even. Like, I think you'd see a big run from him. Stay away, Faye. I just think the waters were too deep. I, he has a lack of tactical speed. 
and maybe he wasn't able to use his stamina because he was just busted trying to go with them would, would be mm. my assessment of that. Not saying it can't be a good horse in time. I just think this was probably a season too soon. Um, Rolf, a guy ran the sort of race you'd expect him to run on this ground. Like he got a bit outpaced coming down the hill, unfortunately um, came to grief at the last, but was running a good race. Um, he jumps too low for these fences. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, he's a bit more, he has a bit more time in the ground he likes, doesn't he, than he had on Saturday. If you take him away from heavy ground at Haydock, he's a nice yeah. horse. He's almost unbeatable there. If, if he had managed to grab third here, though, it would have been, I think, like, it's, I, I know it's hard to say about a horse now that he's won a bet fair, but I just don't think of him as a proper out and out grade one horse. No, I agree. Not in there in my head. Uh, it's hard to say when he's got a mark of one six six. Like he should be a gold couple. He's just, it's just not to me. But um, yeah, so take take nothing away from the winner. It's a, it a great result. I guess they'd have to think about the Ryanair probably with him now. Um, it's the only one he's in. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go then. Yeah, um, he'd have a chance, wouldn't he? Um, ridden the same way. You wouldn't want it to get too lively for him. The ground at uh, um, Cheltenham again, because I just think if he gets on his head, he might might start making mistakes again but we'll have to wait and see won't we I don't like Katie three months not you I don't like poor choice of words somebody clip that out um, I don't like three milers dropping back in trip for the Ryanair it rarely works and plenty have tried it and plenty have failed I don't think coming back to two and a half would suit him at all you'd put his jumping under pressure coming back he's in his comfort zone over three mile and, and again just a tree mile one, another furlong there would suit him down to the ground again. Um, when he won that grade one at Punchtown in his novice season, there was big talk of him being the Gold Cup contender. And they were very, very excited about him, especially Willie was going forward for the next season. Obviously, then he picked up an injury and, and was out. But there was massive talk about this horse for being the real Gold Cup, good thing. Since his injury, he's probably not been quite as reliable. However, I do think he's starting to come back to form. His first run of the season at Turles was quite bad, but like a lot of Willies, they weren't running quite well first time out. And I kind of had in my back of my mind coming into Savills that he could kind of run a big race there, maybe pick up a bit of prize money. And he was a big price, about 80 to 100 to 1. And he finished third. Um, Casey's being humble. Casey backed him at 150 to 1. <laughs> one five oh. Um How? Each way. Each way. Um, Bush. I just like the way he when he ran in Taylor's, he would didn't even raise a gallop. And he jumped off in the Savills and he looked keen the whole way around. And he just looked like he was coming back to his best form. Um I think ground with him is key. I think he wants better ground. And I think that's why we've kind of seen him to better effect here um, at the weekend. He got a bit, a bit of nicer ground here. The track suited him. Um, I think as, as well, the racing style in the UK suits this horse well. They kind of, they, they go a good gallop, but they get racing very early on. And you can kind of, you can kind of wait and wait and wait with him and go with one run. And this is what exactly what Paul did here. He waited as long as he could and gave him one run at them. Everything was kind of, they get racing about three or four out over in the UK and Paul was just able to sit in behind them and just let them off and just go one run and 
I think he won with more in hand than actually he showed on the day. I think if I was if I were the connections here, I'd be I'd be supplementing him for the Gold Cup. I don't know if I, he's had a runner. He's had a run in the Grand National. He got round, but I think he I think the Gold Cup would suit him better. The three mile two stiff track. I think, and they have. I don't think they have anything else for this race unless they run Iron Maximus. I don't even know if he's entered, but they have nothing else that of a real life chance, and this could be it. I guess the problem is Willie doesn't really have anything else for the Reiner. JP would be mad to bring him back to two and a half just because Willie doesn't have one in the race. He thinks that horse is best possible chance to win the race, and that would be the Gold Cup out of, between the Reiner and the Gold Cup. Coming back to two and a half, his jumping will be under pressure. I don't know if he's got the gears to be going to two and a half. He might, but I think he's a in out and out stayer. And he showed that on uh, Saturday. If he had to run in the Ryanair, mm. do you think, like where I'm saying, I understand he wants better ground, but I just mm. think if he had to run in the Ryanair, would he not be better off it, with it being softer to slow them up a bit? Or do you think he, he would jump worse because of the surface? I think... I think he's just kind of that like, he's a spring horse. I think, I don't think he jumped worse on softer ground, but I just think he's more effective on better ground. The only thing is, if they went a good gallop in the Ryanair and he was dropped in, he might be able to run a big race coming from off the pace again. But I just worry that he might just be a little bit outpaced at all times and be kind of rushing from there on in, where he's probably, and just maybe knock him out of his comfort zone more than anything. Um, yeah. That's, that'd that's be my only concern. That that's sort of where I, where I'm saying with them. If they mm. were in a position where they had to run the Ryanair, if he got yeah. his ground, yeah, he'd be on his head the whole way around. He might start busting yeah. fences. Yeah, because on softer ground, if he would jump out of it, at least they might yeah. come back to him towards yeah. the end. It might be enough of a test. Yeah, but ideally, like you say, he goes to the Gold Cup. But mm. the fact that he's just in the Ryanair at the minute is a bit worrying. Yeah, I think yeah. I would. I would think about him more from a betting perspective. If there was a bit of soft ground and he was a decent price, I'd almost sort of just play him place only sort of thing. They might even just save him for Aintree. They might even skip Cheltenham completely um, and go straight to Aintree because that was kind of on the cards last year with him was the national tilt. So they could just have their eye on the national from now on in and that'd be the main focus if they don't want to supplement him for the Gold Cup. It'd almost be a shame because the bold would be perfect for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that. Yeah, <laughs> but he's going to be stuck running in the big one. Yeah, the bold. Will, be will they do it tough. again though? Like he's got to what? He got to two out, and then yeah, Danny had to pull him up. Second run off a long break. Like I always. Yeah, think he actually ran really well. It's a real yeah. big horse for us. I yeah. remember when Larry came back from his leg, he ran in the whip bread on his second run back, and I was just like, just. It's just too big an ask. Whether they get the trip or not, they're gonna blow up. Like it's no matter how much you've done with them at home, if you're going three and a half mile plus second run back back after a break. But um and usually you run them short, yeah, that's what they did with him here. They ran him over two four. Um I know he was a two mile four horse at the time, but like it, it just doesn't prep you the same. You you'd rather do that than run them over three miles, have them bounce and then drop and have them bounce in a you know, four-mile grueler. But the fact that you have to run them short the first time back off that break sort of doesn't help them prepare for a marathon on the second start. Yeah. 
For those I of you playing was... Final Furlong Podcast Bingo, it yeah, took Anna. 27 minutes for a mention of Larry on the show. <laughs> it's just the best example of it that popped into my head is I just remember he jumped the pom fence on the bridle and then, um, yeah, someone told me he didn't stay. And I was like, no, just running three mile six, second run back after 18 months off the track. It's, and it's, you can, it's a similar situation what he's done here. He's had nearly a year off, run over 2-4 at Gorham Park and then got into the National, as Larry did 2-2 two, two round Chepstow and went into the Whitbread. I actually must look up, I don't, I'm not sure now, but I wonder what the kind of strike rate is if a horse has ran the Grand National the season before and then comes back the next season. I think it's very, very low. I think horses kind of the best chance of winning the Grand National is first time out. I'm not sure. I have my doubts about horse running this in a national second time, second season and winning. I think the percent just percentage strike rate is quite low. I must look into it, but I have a feeling that a lot of the winners are first time out in the Grand National. That kind of puts me off him kind of going down that route. There aren't a lot that run it and then come back and win it later with a bit of practice. Yeah. Even but horses you, that you think would have, like Black Appalachian yeah. and things like that, ne never seem to replicate it again like yeah. the amount of times you see a horse finish second in national they always bumped into one here next yeah. year but usually they go up you know 12 pounds finishing second in the yeah, national that's and it and they spend all season trying to get back down again it can it can be a handicapping issue as much as anything mm. any second now we'd have all yeah. bought won a national by now wouldn't we yeah <laughs> oh that yeah. poor horse uh, me, handicapped <laughs> out of it the best example is is headhunter he was going reasonably well yeah. falls and then a year later he's got ruby on his back and he goes and wins but yeah. katie's right I, I don't have the stats to hand but from memory certainly on, on, yeah. back in the old days katie 10 years ago when there were proper fences yeah um, it used to be that you're you were best either having experience of the beacher or no experience at all yeah. if you'd run on it before it's almost like that stat yeah. about the gold cup that was if you've been beaten in the gold cup you couldn't win it so Native River and a Pluton comes along and, yeah, turns that on its head. But Hoy Senor, this fella is incredibly talented. He just can't jump, George. Again, I, I hate you know, disagreeing with you on the real whacker and the Hoy Senor. He made a horrendous mistake at the second. I thought he was fine the rest of the way. I suppose the third loss, was it? The, um, yeah, he made a mistake at the third loss, but that was when the stirrup snapped then. And actually... Yeah, the, the, the jockey nearly came off at the last, but Hoy Senor had done nothing wrong. Like, he was just trying to ride a finish with no iron. I thought this was better. Like maybe I'm just naturally, I don't know, because you work in a yard, like you, you look, for, you naturally try and see the positives. But I think both him and the real Wacker, this was a step in the right direction for how disappointing they've been so far this season. And uh, certainly, a Hoy Senor is a much better horse this side of Christmas. I, I think mm. he might have been. He wouldn't have won. It'd have been a fair bit closer if that iron, if that stirrup lever hadn't snapped. I really, I really do think that because it can't, it cannot be easy for the horse coming down the hill at Cheltenham and the jockey's had to perch up on his knees on his back. But I can't underestimate how uncomfortable that is for the jockey and the horse. Like, I, I think he'd have been closer. He might even have been able to grab second. I really, I do believe that. I don't. And they've got him in the stairs hurdle. And that's very unlike Lucinda Russell to do that unless they've decided we're going to give him one more chance in a race he won last year. Let's see if he can bounce back. He has been unlucky with the way it panned out, but he's just, it's a really bad mistake early on. 
and then the tack is gone, obviously. Either go for the stairs hurdle or skip it entirely and go back to Aintree and hope that Shishkin doesn't turn up. That's where he performs at his best. Lucinda is very good now. She's a shrewd woman to get horse back to its best. So mm. you could see, like you said, a big run at Aintree if they decide to go there and I wouldn't be putting them off. Uh, people often go in there anyway. So. He's won no race the last twice. Like this, this no. is. I, 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 I don't. Know, I hate to keep banging the drum, but this is a huge step in the right direction for this horse. Mm. Not in terms of a gold cup. He's not going to win a gold cup. He probably won't win a stairs hurdle. Like I say, come entry time, I'm not going to be looking at this race going, "Oh God, is it like that? That's an awful run. He's got no chance of winning a bowl." I, th- I think this is a huge step in the right direction. I really do. Uh, that if I'm on my own, I'm on my own. But I, I would have been if I was one of his connections, I'd have been looking at it and going, ah, oh, you know, stuff like that happens. Stirrup lever snap. But mm. this horse has run much, much better than what we've seen so far this year. Yeah. Don Poli 2.0 ran an absolute monster <laughs> of a race for a novice, but he is Don Poli 2.0, with the exception that Don Poli was actually able to win a Brown Advisory. I don't think this guy can. I don't think the old course is going to suit him. The connections of the horse were leaning towards going for a Gold Cup in the first place because they thought the new course was going to suit him better. If he's going to win a race at the Cheltenham Festival, stay away, Faye, it would need to be the National Hunt Chase, and Paul Nichols has a shockingly bad record in that race. George Gorman. Yeah, a bit like Burdett Road. This is a horse that I just... I've seen enough holes in. I was... I felt very vindicated this weekend because they're probably my two horses I've been out to get all year are Burdett Road and stay away, Faye, and... In fairness, Stairway Faye has j- jumped up into open company and um, run with credit. Um, don't know if you think three quarters of a length behind last year's R- um, RSA, Brown Advisory winner, um, is a fair effort. But I just think he lacks in tactical speed. When he has to make his own running, he goes along with his ears pricked. And I just think he's always going to be vulnerable to something with a bit more tactical speed. And if he goes Brown Advisory, I think Grange Fair West will have too much for him. Uh, I don't think he'll go National Hunt Chase. I just don't think... I think Nichols has nailed his colours to the mask and, he, mast and he's not going to shift. I just, yeah. He probably should. I don't think he will. I don't think he will either. And I don't think Harry Cobden will be on him. I think Harry Cobden will be riding Hermes Alain. Yeah. He must, he must have taught a lot of this horse to run him... Running here in open company completely wrong at the weights nice. with everything, yeah. and given Cabodano, who's rated nine pound higher than him, three pound, I mean, it must have thought a lot of him to do to kind of stick him in there. Is Stay Away Faye going to have enough pace to deal with the horse like Grange Clare West in the Brown Advisory? I don't think he will. Absolutely not. No. Yeah. Absolutely not. I said the the thing I've, I've said it about three times in this podcast now, but. It was on his chasing debut. It was how, if he was a boat, he would have been kicked on into the straight where there were no fences. There was All the fences in the straight were taken out for low sun. If he was a boat, you'd have kicked on turning home. Instead, Paul Townend sat up on him, waiting for Corbett's cross to come to him, and then kicked again. This also has plenty of boot for a three-miler. Plenty of boot. Because if not, he would have tried to string him out in that race. And he, he strung him out a bit with his jumping. But he's he's waited for a horse to come to his girth and kicked again. This horse must show some speed at home, for, certainly for a presenting. Like, I, I don't worry about his his tactical speed for a three-miler. 
I think if anything, he'd probably run a decent race in the Turners. It's not the race he should go for, but... Kyle is 7-2 for the Brown Advisory, and now he's 7-2 for the Turners. Someone's gone 7-2 about Power. Factor File. They've, Paddy Power have gone 7-2 for the Turners, Turners Factor File. And, sorry, 9-2. 9-2, Turners, 7-2... Um, Brown advisory. Because um, Bet365 went 5-1 to one today about Factor File. We can't write the betting slips for you. We can't log into your account and do the bet for you. But hopefully, you're on the Factor File gravy train. You've got the 12-1. to one, You've got the 14-1. to one. The three of us put them up a month ago. Easy game. Just stick with us. Factor File. Can't go wrong. Just remember. is still available with Betfair. Just remember, yeah. two years ago, I was telling everybody when conventional wisdom was that Gallop on Deschamps was going to go for the Brown Advisory. I was like, nah, no, he won't. He's going to go for the Turners. I was right. Did I get paid? No, because he fell. So there's no such thing as a certainty in racing, but it is nice to be right from time to time. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at Hyperice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. 
Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. We'll move on to Bonbon. You cannot jump like that and win a Queen Mother Champion chase. That's a horrible mistake, and he was hanging to the left after that. You often see horses make a mistake like that, and then a couple of weeks later it emerges, got strained ligaments, or there's a muscle damage, and they're going to miss a key race. I wouldn't be in the least bit surprised if he ended up missing Cheltenham on the back of that. I had mentioned earlier in the podcast on his his, uh, seasonal debut that I was worried about the fact that he had a hard race here uh, when Nico probably made a little bit too much use of him. I was worried that this could have had a lasting effect further on down the line in the season. Might have seen a little bit here, but it's not ideal now to see him have another seriously hard race here for the second time coming into Cheltenham just around the corner. And it could put him in jeopardy for the champion chase title. Not ideal coming into Cheltenham off back two hard runs at the same um, at the same track and like you said, I hope it hasn't had any lasting effect on him. I thought he was actually very good over the first three fences and yeah. I thought he actually got into a nice rhythm early on and he was settling well. His jumping was very neat and tidy. He lost his rhythm completely over the four down the back. It just his jump just went to part. He just couldn't he just couldn't want to meet meet one on the right stride and he was kind of on the back foot from here on in. I just, yeah, you can't be afford to be doing this in a race. Like this. You need to be in a good rhythm throughout in the two-mile chase division. You just can't make a mistake, especially around Cheltenham um, over two miles. I just thought the four flowers was the last was the crucial point in the race, and he just completely misjudged it and just landed on top of it. Something similar happened here at the same fence with So Scottish um, at Cheltenham, uh, the previous meeting, he landed, did something similar. He mis- misjudged it completely and landed on top of it. It's a tricky fence. They're coming downhill slightly and they're kind of starting to get racing at this point and it can catch a few horses out. And I actually think complete credit to James for staying on him. I don't think he deserved any of the hardship he probably had to entail for this. I thought he actually gave this a horse a beautiful ride from here on in. Credit to James now. He could have rushed him back. He could have panicked and tried to get him back into contention too quickly. But he had the patience to just sit and wait and let the horse kind of find his feet, fill him back up again and get him into rhythm. He gave him every chance to win this race from here on in. And I actually thought come down second last, he kind of was going to pull it out of the bag. He just kind of made another error at the last, just lost his momentum, didn't quite land running. And... Elixir Dunnock just got the kind of up the upper hand here and he just kind of, he, he actually landed running at the back of the fence and he just got away from him. I thought if John Bond had kind of landed running, I think he probably would have kept his head in front, but he left his race at the fourth last and he just, that just completely bottomed, bottomed him completely after kind of missing the last. I, I actually think 
it was a very good performance to finish where he did. I think I think he's had two very hard races this season. It might not pay off, but I did say pre at the start of the season I'd love to see him over two mile four. And mm. I think if he was in the Ryanair, he'd be a serious horse for that. Looking at looking yeah. at the way he runs. And he well, might just he might just see more in the comfort zone, especially with his jumping. And he might just see him get back more into rhythm and give him more of a chance over that trip. But he's not in it, so looks like he'll either be going to champion hurdle or he won't be running anywhere, I'd say. Even that early season form with Edward Stone, that's not looking good now either. Um, I think Edward Stone, um, I spoke to someone fairly close to us the other day, and they, um, there were some people quite close to us who were convinced it wouldn't stay two and a half. So I, I wouldn't be too worried about that. What I'll say about John Bond, I'm going to add as much context to this as I can, so that I'm showing I'm, I'm being completely fair. When you give Nico a horse like a John Bon or a Shishkin or an Altior that has a lot of scope, or even a Swinter Sacra, he's very, very positive on them. Like, I mean, he's throwing them at near enough every fence. You've seen on Altior, was it in the Arkle? There's one fence, he sat still, and the horse nearly fell. Because when you keep asking a horse, it keeps expecting to be asked. And I think, in a way, what's happened here is Nico's ridden that horse, how he rode it round the Schlur and in the Tingle Creek, and that's his style, and it works for him. I think every time James Bowen sat still on this horse, it made a mistake. And I think there was a stride there at the third last, and I think there was a stride there at the last. And he sat where most jockeys would sit, but Nico wouldn't, if that makes sense. Mm. I'm, I'm not saying James Bowen gave this horse a bad ride, I think his style, the horse that's had Nico on it the last time, I think his style has maybe clashed with Nico slightly. When you keep asking a horse, it will keep, it expects to be asked. You see what happened with Edgar Dejit when Niall had to sit still at the third? He had to sit still there and the horse just stepped out of his hands. That's where stepping come, can come from with horses, is when they're being asked long all the time. The first time you sit still, they step out of your hands. And I just think this horse at the third last, James went, right, okay, sit and pop now. He went, what? And he's made a horrific mistake. And again, I think there was a stride there at the last and James is half sort of minding him, trying not to give him too hard a race. And he sat still and the horse is just sort of, he hasn't made too much of a mistake, but he's lost enough ground to maybe, he might have got away with one. I think. But then if, he, if he's thrown him at the last, maybe whatever might come out in the next couple of days, he might have exacerbated an injury that had already occurred to us. But that's my take on it. I'm not saying James Bowen's given this horse a bad ride. I think his style has clashed with Nico's on this horse, if that makes sense. It does. Is James's <laughs> style more similar to Aidan Coleman's? Yes. John Bond is used to that style, but because Nico's ridden him twice and then been asking him for once, he's now expecting that, and then that's not happening. It's much easier for a horse to go from being ridden how Aiden rides a horse to being ridden how Nico rides a horse. It's much easier. A horse that's used to popping, asking them up, because the worst they do is put down, you know, get away with it. It's easier for them to get used to that than to go from being sent at every fence to learning to pop. Because if you say no and they say yes, you're probably going to end up on the floor. 
Whereas the other way round, they can sort of just put down on you. They might lose a length or two. But they get away with it. It, it, once you rev a horse up, it's very hard to put the, that genie back in the bottle. Because it's much easier to wake horse up that's used to being put to sleep. That's an excellent that's point, George. That's a really yeah. excellent observation. Out of interest, would James have said to him, look, you do it yourself coming to the last? Has he done that because he's managed to get himself back into contention? He's in the lead. He's basically got Elixir de Nuts covered. So instead of asking him yeah. for a big leap where he's got a couple wrong early, he's decided, you do it now, son. And then John Mon just hasn't come up for him. Exactly. And because there was one there, it's a big one, but you're talking about John Bond here. Like this is a horse with bags of scope. He, mm. The big one was on. But say, look, James Bond could well be vindicated. If it turns out this horse picked up a slight injury in that bad mistake at the third last, he, he could have done him some real damage potentially by sending him at the last. He might have saved this horse from a much bigger injury. So it's hard to say what was going through James's head, whether he's thinking, I'll just pop this because I've got this one, or is he thinking, I'm going to look after this horse, and if we get beat, so be it. I, I, only he knows that. But, um, yeah. yeah, I just wanted to be as even-handed with that as possible and explain fully what I meant. So I'm not jumping on the bash James Bowen train mm -hmm. at all. It's, um, especially like I say, for a buzzy horse like him, it's very difficult to go from Nico's style to James's style. But especially, they're saying he's probably gone there a bit fresh as it is. You watch how, key, how, how sort of keen going he was at the start. When James didn't have a choice, when the horse was coming up long before him, that was the best he jumped. The second he settled, and then it's up to James, do I give him a squeeze or do I sit still? That's when the jumping started to go to bits. Mm. What do you make of him sweating so profusely beforehand? Like he... He's done this a couple of times now, but I, I, uh, I worry more if it was a horse that had never done it before. But he has done, and look, I, I find it very hard to get too worked up about horses sweating in the paddock. The, the amount of times I've seen a horse that's never sweated before sweat up in the paddock and then go and win for me, and you're just mm. like, oh. Like, this was, whatever reason, he was really up for it, and he sweated up. Like, it can be a positive. Mm. With a horse that's as revvy as him, it's probably not a positive, but I, I wouldn't be getting too worked up about it. Like, I, I know Nicky, Nicky made his comments during the week, but um, maybe that did have something to do with it. It, it certainly wouldn't have made it easier to settle him, obviously. Like, he's, he was definitely more forward-going than we're used to seeing after the first few fences. So his, but, uh, his comments during the week were, I had him spot on for Ascot. I don't like the fact that I've had, I, he's not had his race and now yeah. we have to wait seven days. Do you buy into that? It, it, it certainly, it would have contributed towards him sweating up and how mm. free going he was over the first few, but it would have had nothing to do with where the jumping then went to bits. Yeah. Katie, what did you make of that excuse from Nicky? He's coming up with a lot of excuses lately. Yeah, I can see two sides of it. Like... I think British trainers train them slightly differently to Irish trainers. Like if I kind of the vibe I'm getting over here is if if they miss a week, it's not they don't they don't think it's the end of the world. Like they don't like train them to the, in the same regards as what UK trainers do. I think they kind of have their work down to a T to the, like the exact day they want to, before they run. And where with trainers I've worked over here. It doesn't really like they don't really put in like a work plan 
for every race. It's just they try and keep it a bit more simple over here, if you get me. Um, whereas I feel like Nikki kind of has it down to a T to have the horse in the exact shape he wants it for a certain race. And if it's delayed by weeks and it kind of puts it into uproar is the way I'm feeling that is, and that's the way he kind of trains, but it works for him. But kind of over here, like with Willie and that, it's a bit more free going. Mm. Um, it's not the end of the world if it's put back a week. They, he still had them in the same shape and he wouldn't be worried about them. But with kind of John Bond, like we have seen him jump left on occasions before. Like that's not, that's not something new. Like he has done it in his, in his novice chase season. We have seen him do it. And I did see Nicky, I think it was, he put up a video of him trotting up the day after and he looked absolutely fine. So I would be surprised if he had picked up any injury. Like he, he looked like he was trotting out to his chin to me. So that's good. Yeah. So I think in that respect, I hope he's well, unless anything comes up in in the in the future. But he looked sound to me, and he they seem to be happy with him post race. So, in that respect, I think he's okay. But yeah, but then just Nikki trains they probably just differently than a lot of trainers do over here, and that's kind of the point I'm getting at, maybe. Well, I, I think Katie, like what like what you're getting at is over here, yeah. we're a bit more obsessed with like target training. Yeah, like, we pick a day four weeks out, and mm. we train them to be absolutely at their peak at that race. Yeah. Well, in Ireland, particularly like Gordon and Willie, and that it's more of a sort of they get into their routine and they get fit through mm. their racing. Like yeah, they'll be fit enough when they go to the races first time out, but they sharpen up with each run. Mm. They're not sharpened up at home. Whereas we'd sharpen them at home for a specific yeah. race, which is probably why Willie's keep improving throughout the season. But it's also why I say Paul Nichols is the best man to target one race with one horse. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's a different way of doing it, and it probably doesn't unless unless we're using Cheltenham as our only target. It mm. probably counts against English trainers come Cheltenham yeah. time because. You can only bring a horse to a peak like that so many times before you get sort of diminishing returns. Yeah. And like with Willie, I think that's why you see his, his have, they don't have a bad run first time out, but they're not even at like 50% of what they, of their capabilities. And I think that's why in April at Punchtown, they're just blowing everything completely out the water because he's just gradually building them up. Punchestown, it's like a stepping stone. Whereas I think, like Paul Nichols, Nick Henson, they can just go straight up yeah. to the peak race, and then it's like, where do you go from here? And if it puts back week, two weeks off after, yeah, because they have them like nearly, they have them over kind of boiling point, you know, to yeah. to run well, and it is just two completely different training styles, um, and you know, it works for both kind of. Both types of trainers, it works in their own right in their own rights as well. So I'm not knocking either of their training styles, but yeah, it is very interesting to note. And yeah, George explained it very well. Plus, we we have to target train over here because we have to win as many races as we can before the Irish turn up in March. Will <laughs> <laughs> the Irish take that over? Wasn't always the case, though. <laughs> no, we we have yeah. to have them at their peak, nice and early, so we can at least win all our own races before you show up. Yeah. <laughs> well, we know that JP very much wants to win the Queen Mother Champion Chase. It seems pretty obvious to me that John Bond's not going to be good enough to win a Queen Mother Champion Chase. But there is a solution, Katie. Put John Bond in the Ryanair, 
put Dino Blue in the champion chase. Brideshill wins the match chase. It's all coming together. Yes, Georgie boy! Now, Willie Mullins might not like this, but Willie Mullins can go and have a song and dance for himself because this is all about Frankie Tightlips and JP. It could all turn around this weekend if if El Fabiola was disappointing and then it completely blows out the water and they're at a completely level playing field coming into this. So there is the chance of it. And then all of a sudden there's going to be hype back on John Van saying, oh, he could, he could probably win now. So I wouldn't yeah. be writing them off just yet. And like, if Nicky can really work his magic to get this horse back, it's going to be a tough ask, but with two tough runs under his belt. But I wouldn't be writing them off just, just yet. But I do think he is more of a Ryanair type. He's not in it, so... We'll have to wait and see if he does supplement it. But as you said, they're keen for the champion chase, so I wouldn't be surprised if they just ran him anyway. If Come not on, in it, Frankie Tightlips. Put him in the Ryanair. You know it I makes know. sense. Dino Blue into the champion chase. Let's go. This is another kind of point why, and everyone kind of gives out about Willie and he enters them in all races. This is why you need to cover all angles because the, the the season is long and it can and it develops over time. You think at the start of the season the horse would be suitable for this race, but after a couple of runs, you think actually no, they might be suitable for a different race. And I think this is where Willie he spends a lot of money on entry fees, but he kind of he's covering all options and all angles in case something like this does happen. And it, it is a good point to know. I know it's annoying for punters because he's entered every horse in every race, but it gives him options. And I think that is the kind of that is like the big point to make is he's so many options for these horses. He doesn't have to think, oh, I wish I entered this horse in there. I think he'd be more suitable for that. He has every angle covered coming into Cheltenham with every single horse. Which makes it all the more perplexing that he didn't put Capadano in the call. Yeah, <laughs> that could have been more of JP's kind of where he kind of makes and Frankie B, they, they make the decisions with them. But with his own kind of other owners, he does tend to enter them everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so that could just be just an owner's kind of what they want to do more than anything. But Willie in general enters them anything he can in every race. Yeah, Rich Ritchie and Donnelly's cool. contribution to the BHA entry fund would be significantly higher than JP's. <laughs> but that penny picture from JP may very well have backfired on them spectacularly. Uh, let's give Freddie Gingell his flowers. First grade one win for him. First grade one win extraordinarily for Joe Tissart as well. You'd think he won one by now, but he's a fabulous trainer. That moment itself, Katie, for Freddie and for Joe, uh, particularly the emotion mm-hmm. for Freddie, it, it's obviously meant the world to them. As much as we probably want to see John Bond win, it is, it's great to see a trainer getting their first grade one winner um, and a young fellow as well getting his first grade one. Do you know, it, it, it's kind of magical. And it's a day they'll never forget. Um, at the age of 10, I don't know if you'd be able to repeat this, and this probably was his pinnacle in his career um, and... I think they're right to kind of save this. So I'll save every moment of this because I, I, I'd be surprised if they could replicate this. Um, but yeah, couldn't take away from um, Joe Tizard and Freddie Gingell. It was a great day for them both. Um, but they did make, I think Elixir Nuts made the most of a poor round of jumping from John Bond to land this here. But I do have a question for you, George. In your writing yeah. days... When you crossed the line having beaten a fellow jockey, did you ever turn and not look at the crowd, look directly in your rival jockey's face and start waving your whip um, and giving it socks? 
not quite not quite that but maybe (laughs) (laughs) this is me we're talking about like it didn't happen very often um I wouldn't have been waving my whip around a whole lot and I say that and your listeners will dig out one of me with my stick straight up in the air at power and point to point I'm sure but um I wouldn't be waving my stick around very often anyway I might make the odd comments the other jockeys we come back in maybe You, you, you don't always get on do you like especially when you're young and stupid as well when you sort of yeah it really really matters like who's doing what and like especially talking about young riders like that you think if he's riding a winner it's a winner i'm not riding sort of thing it, i don't know i don't know their personal relationship but um it might just be one of those things they have a healthy rivalry because they're both you know how old would james burn be 20 uh yeah both that yeah 2022 yeah, freddie gingell's 18 now is he guys like, they're in One's with Nicky, one, one's with um, Joe Tizard. Actually, Freddie Ginger, is, he's had rides for Nicky, hasn't he? I think so. Yeah, yeah. So that it, maybe it's more of a friendly thing, you know? They, they'd have ridden out together. Maybe it's more of a friendly thing. Who knows? Yeah, that's true. It could just be a bit of bants between the lads. I'm not sure James whatever. would have thought it was very funny. <laughs> no, I can't imagine he did. I really can't. And I <laughs> thought it was interesting that it wasn't really picked up on by the media, but... Um, Hey, that's what we're here for, to talk about the completely innocuous things that actually don't matter at all. But do either of you completely oppose my idea that Fugitive can win the Ryanair chase? Why not? It's just such a weak renewal of it. They're going to go straight there with Envoy Allen. And by the way, on the final Furlan podcast, George put up Envoy Allen at 14 to 1 for the Ryanair chase. Well, he ain't 14 to 1 anymore. So again, if you followed us in, you're in a very healthy position. That day three of Cheltenham is either going to be absolute gold for us or a complete disaster. Well, yeah, one or the there's other. There's already Insert some right stinkers in my anti-post portfolio, I will say. There's, all, there's already some where you look down and go, oh, what are you doing? Let's be clear about it. <sighs> oh, yeah. The season's gone on. Yeah, that not didn't... As, not as bad as my concluding um, Friday of Cheltenham bet on Constitution Hill to win the article. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't do that. There's no way you did that. Uh, about a tenner. But <laughs> a tenner I don't have anymore. Yeah, it's a tenner. You're never getting back soon. I blame Nicky Henderson. Nobody forced Nicky to start banging on about how, well, we could go novice chasing with him. He could have just straight out said, no, he's a champion hurdler. We're not doing that. But he did I, indulge people with that idea, so... I, I just figured once he had an entry over fences, he wasn't going to be 10 to 1 anymore. So I took 10s. Speaking took of Constitution 10. Hill, the one threat to his crown is in Ireland, trained by Willie Mullins, and she's not going to run. Lossy Mouth was absolutely visually very, very impressive. Willie's going to win the Mare's Hurdle anyway with one of Gallimarceau or Ashro Diamond, who was really good at Doncaster. Just runner in the champion hurdle. You've got a horse who can do it. It's the champion hurdle. But now she's going to go for the mares, George Gorman. Yeah, no, it's disappointing, isn't it? It's but unfortunately, it's how the um, how the schedule is laid out for them. They, they shouldn't have the choice. Like, they should be forced to run. You should either have a grade two mares hurdle or um, or even turn the mares hurdle into a handicap. I think it'd be quite fun. But um, or a yeah. restriction on the rating. It's painful, isn't it? Um, yeah. This is an obsession amongst the people who run British racing. 
probably attending Royal Ascot, swishing around in champagne, enjoying five days of racing and thinking, you know what? Cheltenham's bigger than Royal Ascot. We could have a five-day Cheltenham festival. Could you imagine a five-day Cheltenham festival? Jesus Christ, it'd be 10 to 1 on shots, two runner fields, total lack of competition. There used to be a time you were excited about the big clashes at Cheltenham. Moscow Flyer versus Azertiop versus Wellchief. Classified versus Barracuda. Who's going to come and take on Isterbrack? Uh, Beef or Salmon versus War of Attrition in the Gold Cup. What's the big clash at Cheltenham this year? We're all excited for it. We can't wait. Name me the big clash at Cheltenham 2024. Exactly. You can't do it. It was El Fabiolo v. John Bon. Yeah. Um, it might still be that as well. Most people, most people have picked a side of that. Yeah, let's say um, BM Boyelaine and, um, yeah, names are, the names escaped me for a second. But the... Stage star? Joseph O'Brien. Oh, Banbridge, yeah. Banbridge, yeah. You, he won't it, run yeah. if it's soft ground. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's not quite Cato star Denman, is it? Jade DeGruzzi, <laughs> Dysar, Enos. Uh, again, and brighter days ahead, maybe. Hardly yeah. Arkle Flying Bolt. <laughs> I know we never got that on the race course, but there's some great stories about it happening at home. Um, yeah, it's just getting painful. Pro is this horse good enough to take on Constitution Hill? I think it should be good enough to give him a scare. But we're not going to see it this year, and I'm not sure we'll ever see it, to be honest, even if they say next year, next year, next year. Should they just do a Kuvega on it? Yeah. Why would you go for a champion I mean, hurdle if you can win the mayor's every year? They tried it once with Annie Power. She was only substituting for Faheen. Yeah, exactly, yeah. By the way, have they not learned their lesson? Vroom Vroom Mag, Benny Didier, Annie Power, all beaten in the mayor's hurdle, all at short prices. Is she even going to stay two mile four? I know the stamina on her page, but Paul Townend takes a pull coming to the final hurdle. He took a pull. Come on. I think that's... That's part I of it. That's why they're having these short price horses beaten, is they're forcing them. Shut them up, George. Katie's trying to talk. Stop being so rude. <laughs> I actually disagree. I think she's right to go for the mayors this year. George, cut Katie there, off. There. Cut her off immediately. She's lost her mind. Go on. Go on. Make your case. The transition year from juveniles to open company is it's a big ask. And it catches a lot of horses out. We've seen a lot of horses in the past who have looked the real deal when the Triumph Hurdle. They can step up out into Open Company the next year and they do nothing. Yeah. And then the year after, the season after then, they start finding themselves again. I think they're doing the right thing with this mare, going the mare's hurdle route. They could ruin her, putting her in the champion hurdle this season. If they, were, if they went through the mare's hurdle this year, she'd have an easier season. It's a tough. It's going to be a tough season anyway, and then go on to Champion Hurdle next year. They could set this mare up for the future, but I think if they stuck her in the Champion Hurdle this year, in a year where she could be a little bit vulnerable, I think they could just ruin her. And I think I don't think connections are. I don't think they're even going to shy away from the Champion Hurdle next year. I think if this year goes to plan and she runs as well as they expect her to. I think they'll be up for going the Champion Hill route for the next year, but I think they're dead right in just minding her this year. I know Willie, he did, he did something similar with Oban last year. He was very mindful of this transition year and what it can do to horses. I think that's the big point to make with her is I think they're just minding her this year 
with an eye on her future going forward. And I think it's the dead right to do it. I take, I take your point. point. The, the counter would be Volban went on and bolted up at Royal Ascot and then won a group race in Ireland. And he was being sent yeah. off at yeah. ridiculously short price for the Melbourne Cup, which... That was the same year. Because he was minded, it would be Katie's yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Binocular came out of having finished third in the champion hurdle as a five-year-old and then won one. Horses that struggle their four or five-year-old season, they don't normally come out and win a grade two in open company by nine and a half lengths first time. And yeah, this and is a five-year-old, not four-year-old. They've left her till now on purpose to mine yeah. She's at a race course now. She's delivering on the biggest stage. Is there much of a leap going? Like It's, it's obviously a step up going from this into a champion hurdle, but it's a, either way it's a grade one at Cheltenham would she not be better off running over the trip that's going to suit more rather than potentially dragging the guts out of her over two and a half like in a when she might not stay I think she looks fairly unlikely to stay now that's very yeah. interesting but, but I would also mm-hmm. just say Kitty and I'm, I'm not saying you're wrong like look this is what they're going to do right it's it's academic what George and I are saying I think this is the only horse who could be constitutional yeah, this I whole copium about state man getting closer I'm rooting for Stateman. I hope he beats Constitution mm. Hill because this is a joke. Like the campaigning of Constitution Hill is an embarrassment this season. The Dublin Racing Festival mm. will come and go. I'm almost fed up talking about him, to be honest. He, he hasn't run at the weekend. He's not running this weekend. To be fair, if he had run in, in that Unibet trial, Lassiemouth wouldn't have turned up. I don't blame Willie Mullins or Rich Ritchie or Joe Chambers for this because if Joe Chambers was on this show right now, I'd probably melt and go, you know what, you're right. Go for the race that you have the best chance of winning. And the odds compilers are going odds on about it for the mayor's hurdle and 10 to 1 for the champion. But realistically, what are you doing? You've got a chance of winning the champion hurdle. And you're not going to go for it. Why? And he's coming in on the back of just one run. Like He might be vulnerable. If you're ever going to beat him, this might be the year you could do it. When I watched her, I thought... She has the potential to beat Constitution Hill this year. Like, I just, she, I thought she blew me away, and I thought, she, I, I just thought she was unreal. And I, like, I'm not saying that she can't win a champion hurdle this year. I think she could, but I just feel as that it's they're just trying to look after her with her future mm. in mind. Oh, you, you are right. And yeah, like if you look through the form. Like Constitution Hill beat the second and third here by ten lengths. Lossy Mouth had them twenty ten and twenty lengths behind her. Like that puts her right in the picture for that race. And I, I say they know how good she is, but I just think they want to make sure they get every ounce of the, out of this mare and just not ruin her. I tell you, I know what the, the frustration is. Is She was entered in that race at Doncaster as well. And if she'd gone there and won by 20 lengths, we'd just be going, mm-hmm. well, they obviously they kept her against her own sex. She's going to be against her own sex at uh, uh, Cheltenham. The frustration is they've dropped her in an open company here and she's dominated. And then she's going mm-hmm. back to Mayor's company. Yeah. I think that's the frustration for all of us. But mm-hmm. I, I understand why she's come here because he had the other two horses for Doncaster. But it's, we've just... They've sort of let the genie out of the bottle. Now they're going to try and stuff it back in. And you're just like, ah, oh, don't want to have to wait another year to see that. Any of us really, it'd be, it'd be wonderful for the owner for the, the owner and the trainer and everyone. But yeah, her winning by 20 lengths in a mayor's hurdle wouldn't really do it for me. I said, But I say I'm not sort of sure she will. I think she's being shoehorned into a race 
that might did not Imp suit. Did Imperi Pass have a setback? Don't think so. No. So no, how, how did Isaac Swade so. and Simon Muneer feel? Because they've kept their horse hurdles this season to hopefully win a race in open company. Well, there's the race they could have won. And they're actually going for a champion hurdle. Instead, he's going to be second to state man again, unless he produces some miraculous yeah. improvement. And this chance for a winner. Yeah. yeah. So they could have actually won an open company race and then say, uh, yeah, and we're going to take on Constitutional and we're going to give it a right good rattle. But she could have gone to Doncaster and yeah. Astro Diamond or Gala Marceau could have gone to the DRF instead. And everyone could have won a race. <laughs> Oprah, you get a win. You get a win. You get a win. But instead, she wins a champion hurdle trial on trials day. And we're being told, yeah, we're going to go for the mayor's hurdle now. And George, you said you you don't think she's guaranteed to stay. No, I don't think. I, for a horse, fairly unusual for a horse to show that level of speed. Because, I mean, she is very quick. Like, I certainly, if the mayor's hurdle didn't exist, you wouldn't even be thinking of running over two and a half, would you? Like, no. I, certainly th I don't think she's guaranteed. I don't, I don't think, I'm not saying that she definitely won't, but I would be sceptical. I certainly wouldn't be, what price is she? I wouldn't be taking four to Eight five. Eight to 13? I've got four to five best price here anyway. Um, I wouldn't be taking that on a, in a mare's hurdle, it's that quick. You just don't know who's going to stay. Um, she might be too good for it to matter. She might, she might not stay and win anyway. <laughs> she might be that yeah. far clear. But, um, Possibly. Is it the case that we have all these high-class mares in training just because of these races? Or would we have had these horses in training anyway because there's increased competition for high-class horses? I genuinely don't know which is the, the truth truthful answer there there's plenty of people sam hoskins was arguing you only have these high class mares because of those races there would be other people that kevin blake you were saying was making the counter argument that that's not actually true seven, seven handicaps in the last four children festivals have been won by mares which suggests they're being pushed, being pushed into handicaps because the level of the mayor's, of the mayor's races so is so high i think if flossy mouse wasn't a juvenile last season i think they would run her in the champion herd this year I honestly think if you look down the Triumph Hurdle past winners, there's, about, there's only one horse, Deputy Desoy, who did anything in the following season. Tiger Ole blew out the following year of his Triumph Hurdle. Yeah. Like he did nothing. Peace and Co., nothing. Oh. Ivanovich, Gorbachev, nothing. Far class, nothing. He only, he only got that going again back in handicap one. chasing. He only kind of got back into it the year after when he went chasing on the handicap route. Pentland, Pentland Hills, burning victory, didn't do much. Quilixios had a bad a bad enough season, didn't do much the year after. The best one you know, would be Alistair, wouldn't it? Yeah. And she didn't win the Triumph Hurdle. A lot of them that, that don't either run in the Triumph Hurdle or finish down the field go on to do better things. I think Connections are a little bit mindful of the kind of past winners and where they've actually what's happened to them in the season after I think they're just a little bit mindful about that I honestly think if she if she was just coming off the back of a a maiden year taking the juvenile out I actually think they would go for the champion Henry but I just think they're just so content on trying to that this transition year can be really difficult for horses and it can ruin their future careers I, I, that's the only reason I honestly think that that's why the mind in it this year with that in mind do you, the the Do you think she'll win the Mayor's Hurdle? Do you think she'll win the Mayor's Hurdle, Katie? Yeah, I think she will, yeah. Okay. The, the, 
the point would be that none of those horses came out and did what she did at the weekend. She's already outperformed all of those horses. So it's hard to say that she's going to struggle when we've just but seen it, a win by nine and a half lengths and open company. I see, I I know, what you're totally. It's the effect of a long season of multiple yeah. ones. I, I understand totally what you're saying. But I'm, but I'm just think, playing devil's advocate here. I'm, I'm not yeah, I know. But I just think they just might. I think just when you've seen that performance, what we've seen yeah. at the weekend, none of those horses came, that you've mentioned came out and did that the following mm. season. I say that, yeah, the, the only one I, I can think of off the top of my head is that Goshen obviously should have won a triumph. Mm. I think he came out to win the Elite the next year. Yeah. Yeah. But in general, he, he had quite a bad point. season. Yeah. It took him a while to get to that. Whereas this horse mm. has come out and done bang straight away. There you go. What is it? They say you need thirty pounds of improvement. Try on um, juvenile into open company. There's your thirty pounds, but we're not going to use it. Mm. Imagine a scenario where Constitution Hill wins the champion hurdle, but he's very unimpressive and he wins it by like a length. Now you're Rich Richie. Pull down to last on this in the mares. Yeah, but if you're Rich Richie, are you not feeling? like you felt the day Vitor bolted up in the Ryanair chase. And I know, I understand you were mitigating circumstances. You were being told over and over again, he's not working well, Rich. He won't even win the Ryanair. We're just going to give it a go. But you were going for the Gold Cup. And there was no point in saying, oh, well, we'll do it next year. Because unfortunately, you didn't get that opportunity. You have the opportunity to do this now. You've just yeah. bolted up in a champion hurdle trial. Imagine a scenario where Stateman gets within a half a length or a length of Constitution Hill. You'd get the weight allowance. How do you feel? Mm-hmm. How do you, like, do you feel on top of the world being handed with Susanna the Mayor's Hurdle trophy? Or how do you feel if you're the one who beat Constitution Hill? Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a fair point, like. The, the flip side to it is, it's more than likely Constitution will just steamrolls over this field anyway. Because we're, we're all desperate trying to find something that can beat him. I do think she could, though. I'm oh, not I think saying... she can. I think she'll beat him. I'm, I'm being deadly mm-hmm. serious. I don't think yeah. this is a case of that she's no. going to be a competitor against him. I think she'll beat him. That's what they want to do. They want to go for the Mare's Hurdle. They're going to go for it. Unless, unless Bob Bollinger comes out and smashes them up in the Irish Champion Hurdle. And then they've got a have a rethink. Just to put yeah. it into context, if she would beat Constitution Hill, we're talking Constitution Hill's 175, she gets £7 mares allowance, so she has to run to about 168 to beat him. She's beaten Love Envoy, who's rated 151 by all but 10 lengths at the weekend. Could she have beaten him twi- Could she have beaten her 20? Undoubtedly. Yeah. yeah. Which is putting her at a basically like a 170. Jesus. She only needs to run to 168 in theory, to beat him. She's bang there already. Yeah. yeah. Not, and I know only... Step forward. She's there. The visual impression is there. The mats are there. Lads, do us all a favour. Just put her in yeah. the race. It'd be great. Put her in. Run her again between now and Cheltenham. Just to show Nicky. Run her again between now and Cheltenham. Run her four times after. Well, uh, as Katie was saying before we began, what an incredible performance from Willie Mullins. Lossy mouth on an away day. How did he do mm. it? It's amazing, that, isn't it? You can go to another country and win a race on a trials mm. day. Wow. On your first uh, run of the season. Mm. They probably should think about the future isn't always guaranteed with horses. How did you feel when Vitor won the Ryanair chase? How would you feel 
if Stateman gets within a length of Constitution Hill. It'd be sick. Love to have horses that good. You could be standing in there after a Ryanair going, damn. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine? You always just won the Ryanair and go, oh, damn. I wish I could have run it. I wish I'd run it in the Gold Cup. How does it feel? You've won the Ryanair chase. Bollocks. Uh, right, just briefly on Love Envoy, can she step forward from last year's run against Honeysuckle? Is she now coming back to herself, George? It's better than I expected. But I'm sort of... I'm, I think Rubo's massively underperformed rather than Love Envoy's massively overperformed. Um, like, yeah, she's, she's going to be at her best over two mile four on soft ground. Just good to see her travel a lot sweeter than she did the last day, particularly given the conditions. Like, I think two mile four on soft or heavy grounds probably see her will probably see her at her best. And given that, in a race of this nature, with you know Rubo setting a decent gallop, she travelled travelled pretty sweetly. To be honest, like I think she showed a lot of zip. Again, the only thing that's going to get her anywhere near Lossy Mouth at Cheltenham is probably a bog. Like that. Agreed. That, I'd almost back her on a bog because I think, like I said, Lossy Mouth might have too much speed to go and win a mare's... Maybe maybe that's our answer. Maybe that's our answer to the whole thing. Maybe if it chucks, if it, chucks it down, they have to run her in the champion hurdle. Yeah. Could happen. Can we all start doing a rain dance? Can each and every single person watching this now start doing a rain dance? I'm just thinking, like, I'm not sure I can see Willie running her in a heavy ground mare's... Uh, mayor's race like I know we're talking absolutely nuts sort of land now but if it was heavy for the mayor's race would he run her? No. But would he put her in the champion hurdle instead? Or would he miss the Cheltenham altogether? Oh no no this is ridiculous no they're racehorses I think it's 50-50 if it's heavy week of Cheltenham problem is it drains so quickly there He'd probably wait for the mayor's hurdle, and then if it's heavy, he'd probably miss Cheltenham. If, if you could, oh, no, the same day, aren't they? Same oh, day, I'm getting mixed up with the mayor's novice. Oh no, yeah, yeah, same day. We could, yeah, could happen. Just put her in the champion hurdle. It makes sense. Lee Mullins is going to win the mayor's hurdle anyway. As much as I like Love Envoy, if she's able to bounce back because Ashroy Diamond has come out under Patrick, won the SBK Yorkshire Rose Mare's Hurdle Grade 2. It's a third win in the race for Willie Mullins after Annie Power and Vroom Vroom Mag. Gala Marceau, just a little bit free, and probably the race wasn't really run to suit her style, but what did you make of Ashro Diamond and Gala Marceau for that matter, George? Um, yeah, no, so, like you said, I can see Gala Marceau turning it around next time. Like She was very gassy early. Like I said, they didn't go very quick. I, I can see her especially her form with Lossy Mouth looks really good now, doesn't it? And they all improve at different rates and you're talking young horses. But of the two of them, I've got to say, I was more of the opinion before the weekend that Gala Marceau was more likely to train on the Lossy Mouth. So I've either got that one very badly wrong or it's going to take a little longer for me to be proven right. Who knows? But, um, oh, you've been proven massively looking... wrong there, son. Yeah. <laughs> I was very taken with under control. In second, um, stayed on well. Potentially one for the handicaps at Cheltenham if they if they're not awful with her. I, I could see her running well in um, maybe a Coral Cup, maybe a County. I don't know, but um, I think she's one to keep on side. I think that's probably Ashrow Diamond's day for the year. I can't see her winning the Mayor's Hurdle up in Trip. 
I can't see Gala Marceau not reversing with her. I just think she's going to be a long way from the top of the pecking order in terms of Mullins' mares. He'll find something for her, but I, I wouldn't be interested in her for Cheltenham. It would be interested in both. Ashwood Diamond's never been beaten by a mare over hurdles, to be fair to her. And I think Gala Marceau will step up from that, but she'd need to. She's a lovely horse. And if she's able to front run again and not take it on for the lead, she'd be really interesting. The thing is, I don't think that's going to plan out for her too well. Eddie, anything to add? I just thought Ashwood Diamond, um, I thought it was a big step up again from her seasonal debut. Added a bit of uh, form boosters for Tiapu. Um, I think it's about the only line of form that that's kind of coming out that race um, and Parrot Pass hasn't won yet. Um, but no, I think uh, it was a nice performance overall. As you say, Garma, so she just pulled a little bit too hard. She might benefit from the run under her belt, um, like a lot of Woolies are. Um, I thought uh, Under Control actually ran a really lovely race in second. Um think she had a wind surgery did she um yeah, she had a below yeah below path performance um and i thought it was actually a really nice race she ran um she ran right straight through the line as well um yeah she's right at 137 she could be nicely handicapped there going forward i'm not sure what um will be under the radar but even if it isn't cheltenham i think she could be back on the right tracks with her anyway but three nice mares going forward um I don't think there's necessarily a whole lot between them. Um, Ashro Diamond probably just had a little edge of a of, um, of a uh, kind of prep run um, at the beginning of December and probably put her right for this. And yeah, I, very nice run for, for, for more three mares here. She was receiving three pounds and got beat, um, beat her four and a half lengths. So mm. certainly a run back off level mm. weights would be very close. I would just shade it, Garlemarso. Patrick Mullins has won on three of his last four rides and currently sits in third in the Irish Jockeys Championship. 49 winners from only 105 rides. That's not really being talked about. He's having a phenomenal season and he might very well... He's going to win at the Cheltenham Festival. He's going to win the amateur riders race one way or the yeah. other. That's going to be... Unless Favreau de Chambeau bounces back for Katie, which he might... He might Daddy win an open cup. tried his inner over the first couple as well. <laughs> <laughs> he backed out of it fairly quick. <laughs> that would have been a long flight home. <laughs> he told you, don't go up my inner point. <laughs> oh, spectacular stuff. You, you were well, well finished second, second to Marie's Rock. Rock. Marie's Rock would need a career best, I think, in the Marie's Rock. It's good to see you back to winning ways, George. Yeah. I, I can never get this mare right. I thought the first two runs of the season, I thought she looked as difficult as she's looked since like a sort of Jerry Fielding sort of year, like when she was pulling really hard. She She's hung really badly in the finish the last twice. And then out of nowhere, suddenly like James Bowen on board, she seems sort of straighten up. But I wonder if that's to do with this being a bit less competitive than the water she has been in. Um. Uh, I was very impressed by you wear it well because I had her nailed as a two-miler for most of the last season. I was certain that she wouldn't get any further and I was totally wrong. Um, if anything, like I say, she was probably a little outpaced by Marie's Rock. Um, maybe going back to more, more forceful tactics on her, like we're used to seeing her making the running. Now that they know she stays three-mile, they might go out 
um, win a win a decent race somewhere by making the running over three miles. Certainly, a lot to like about that. Tweed, tweed skirt, obviously more known as a chaser nowadays, but um, a fair yardstick either way. Here's the glory's very disappointing now, isn't she? She's um, yeah, just seems to travel like the wrath of God and just blow up. But yeah, Marie's Rock, I just couldn't. After her first couple of runs this season, I can't unsee what she's done on the race because she's gone there to win races and just hung them away. Sort of horse that I'm happy. I'm happy to take her on, and if she beats me, I just take my medicine. Is the way I sort of look at things with her now. But um, you wear it well, certainly. Opens up a lot more avenues now that we know she stays three miles. So I'd be interested in her, even in a handicap, to be honest, off 140. She'd probably have half a chance of a handicap over three miles. Would give you more I think she's I think she's somewhat interesting for the Mers hurdle itself. Like that that's Marie's Rock Marie's Rock's first win since New Year's Day 2023. This race was saved from Ascot the previous weekend. You wear it well has had to carry two pounds more in this race than the race she was due to run in. She's only been beaten a length and a half. So that's pretty significant. Factor that in and that you wear it well wins. If, if you think she's going to win a mayor's hurdle, maybe I'm just looking at it from sort of um, like someone who's more used to having handicap, handicappers. If you think she's got a great chance in a mayor's hurdle, God, she'd win a handicap of 140, wouldn't she? <laughs> Absolutely. And speaking of handicaps, I think under control is really interesting for the Coral Cup. And they've won it with a mare before, so we'll see, we'll see. Emmett Mullins does things in reverse. Emmett Mullins doing Emmett Mullins things. Supposed to win a Cleave Hurdle and then win a Grand National. Not win a Grand National and then win a Cleave Hurdle, but it's Emmett Mullins, so the man's capable of remarkable things. Uh, the Cleave Hurdle has been won by Ingalls Driever, Big Bucks, who won it twice, Thistlecrack and Paisley Park, who all went on to win the Stairs Hurdle in the same season. Can Emmett Mullins, Noble Yates, do that exact thing, Katie Young? He's a shrewd man. Yeah, he's a shrewd man to uh, produce a horse back to its best, and he's done that here. As many national winners before him, he kind of lost his way of form. And I think rerouting him back over hurdles, back over hurdles this, season, seen, this season has kind of seen back him bounce kind of back to his kind of form. Best form. His age on his side. He's age on his like side. He was a young Grand National winner. I think like he, he was a young Grand National winner. I think he won around seven years of age. Whereas normally you're looking at about eight or nine. So he's kind of, he was well ahead of himself. He was well ahead of himself at age. And I think, I think, I think he's right to go. I think he's right to go. Stay at home with him. It's wide open. He's not going to win a Gold Cup. He's not going to win a Gold Cup. But he could win a Stay at home. But he could win a Stay at home. Like, like, I know Tiapu. I know Tiapu is the best. Is the best in this race on kind of form and ratings. Form and ratings. If he gets his ground, if he gets his ground, he does win. But if it comes up good, if it comes up good here, he is vulnerable. And I think Noble Yates. I think Noble Yates. He can act on good ground. He can act on good ground. We know he stays trip. We know he trip. We know he likes that course. So we have nothing to worry about there. So we have nothing to worry about there. I think. I think he could. I think be a real big player here on the day. Be a real big player here on the both soft and on both soft. I just wouldn't be surprised if I just wouldn't be surprised if he could kind of, if he could kind of, 
If you could upset Tia Poo. If you could upset Tia Poo. I'm not saying he's he's I'm not saying he's he's the absolute definite, but this race is completely wide this open. This race is completely wide he's open. Put really he's put in a really good performance here. And we all know Emmett will probably we all know Emmett will probably come find more improvement to come and have him in an even better position in March for the big day. So it's something to know as well. He's beaten the best of the British. He's beaten the best of the British here and the best of the Irish is Tia Poo. So you kind of so you kind of put no bang in there, bang in there, for this race, for this race. That's kind of my take. On that's it. kind of my take on it. I think he's got a huge chance. I think he's been slightly underestimated. And I'm a big Tia Poo fan, as as you both know. I really like Irish points as well. I guess there's a chance he doesn't go. Although with the with the French superstar out, you'd imagine that they will roll the dice, but we'll see what they decide to do. It just it seems as though. This, this is, is Tia Poo's race. And an Irish point, point might line up, but this is really his race. Um, Crambo is right there. I mean, Crambo's the only one of relevance that wasn't in that race. And he's he's powered up the hill, to be fair to him. Um, George, what did you make of Noble Yates getting the better of the old boy, much to Emma Lavelle's frustration? Well, um, well, um, just, just, just looking through notes, notes, just there, pre the race, pre the race, basically, basically, basically two horses, the best off at the weight, in a reverse four cars, which is two, the first two, luckily enough. But if you, if you, if you actually go through the weight adjusted ratings, flip Botox has and flight deck over at the bottom, Botox has the worst off the weights of all of them, all of them bar one. Flight-deck-should-have-been-above-him-champ-should-have-been-above-him-champ-should-have-been-above-him-champ-should-have-been-above-him-champ-should-have-been-above-him-champ-should-have-been-above-him-champ-should-have-been-above-him-champ-should-
You're the best thing about Monkfish winning at Goran Park was. We can play this again. Fishy Pond, which is called Fishy Cake. Now, Monkfish. My first time on the show that's been played. Don't we have a proper version, version of that, though? That's, that's like, like got, got a remix, remix and all? What happened to that? that? Oh, the, one, oh, the one with the Peppa Pig and all that in it as well. Oh, oh Ted versus Peppa Pig! Pig. I'm all for fellas like me. Oh, that'll, that'll, that'll get, it. That'll get, get another play out again. Put a visual to that for the benefit of YouTube. Um, right, a right, couple, couple of Mares and Absurdals to talk about. So we've got three to one co-favorites, Spider Days Ahead, Dice Linos, and Jay DeGruji, who will win Jack Bromhead, Mares and Absurdal 2024. Sorry, Katie, but only by night will need to start now to beat this horse. She looks an absolute superstar. Lamini, Lorena have won this race for Willie Mullins in the past. Uh, he's also won it with Ashro Diamond, Allegory Devassi. And Honeysuckle have graduated from this race as well. Over in Doncaster, Dysardinos strengthens Fergal O'Brien's Cheltenham Festival hand, which is becoming a very, very strong one with Crambo as well. Uh, of the two, Katie, which one would you prefer? Um, I thought two very taken performances. I'd say if you were looking for a horse that with plenty of experience, you'd probably look towards Dysardinos. She's done nothing wrong again here. Travel very smartly, jumping pretty good. Um, she's not short of gears. She's kind of effortless at every point in the race. She never came off the bridle. Um, the only thing is, she hasn't got a graded race to her name. 
Jade DeGruji has a great great race to a name, and so does Bright Days Ahead. That being my own concern with Dice Enos is she just probably lacks that graded form coming into Cheltenham. Um, Jade DeGruji was very impressive, another very impressive performance. They kind of went, they went a steady enough gallop kind of from flagfall. Uh, I thought she showed another nice turn of foot to, to pick up off the back of a slow run affair. Jumping was pretty slick all around. Um, she was keen. Um, she probably benefit from a, a faster pace race in Cheltenham, but she pulled away from her rivals pretty easily. Um, I doubt she had much of a race here. I think I'm still leaning towards brighter days ahead. I'm hoping that there's nothing wrong with her because she hasn't, we haven't seen her now for a while. That's my only concern mm-hmm. with her. Um, is I'd like to see her entered now in the next couple of weeks. If she isn't, then it's kind of alarm well, alarm bells ringing in my head slightly. Um, I do think there's plenty of strength and depth for this race. Like you've kind of Jatara there that's been pretty impressive as well this season. Um like they're just there's plenty of mares here, it's, and they're all coming in off the back of a maiden win and the graded win. Like you can't really split them at this point in the season. Like no, none of them have done anything wrong. It's just trying to pick who is going to improve again for Cheltenham. Um, I'm sitting with bright days ahead. If she's if she's not entered the next couple of weeks, I think I'll be sitting on. Maybe Jade Degruji, but I am hoping for Fergal and Paddy Brennan that they can pull a Cheltenham Festival win- at winner out the bag, and it would be great to see that happen. To be fair, it would be a big fan of Fergal yeah. O'Brien's, big fan of Paddy Brennan's as well, for that matter. It'd be great to see them win a Cheltenham Festival mm-hmm. race. And I very much respect your opinion, Katie. Yeah. But having said all of that, mm-hmm. George, how far does Jade Degruji win the Mayor's Novice Hurdle by? The, I think the thing that massively we should we should be taking out of this was if there was a question mark about Jay DeGruji for um Cheltenham, it was that she started over two and a half in heavy crown. And you went, Well she's very impressive, but God, that's very different to what she's doing at Cheltenham. She stepped back to two two on better ground, not good ground, but better ground. And she's absolutely pulled Brian Hayes's arms out. So if there's any any um, sort of thought that she might not be able to lay up over two miles on good ground around Cheltenham, this should go some way towards dissuading you of that notion, I would have thought. Like just seeing how, how keen she was, you go, well, actually, maybe almost the heavy ground probably switched her off a bit the last day where she's just, she's almost settled because she's feeling like the mud under her feet. Um, as it adds a bit of context to it that the third horse looked to the west, got a form boost today when Bioluminescence won a punch us down, who she she beat a length the last day. So um I, and I wouldn't I wouldn't write her off yet either. She she looked very green, headed down to last and sort of got going again very late on, like she like almost like the penny dropped to get dropped for a you know, hundred yards from the line she ran on. I I'd, I'd be watching her for the future with a bit of interest. But yeah, Jade DeGruji Clubhouse leader certainly for Cheltenham. Like I, I'm very keen on Jatara as well. Like um, like Katie said, but that would have to be very impressive at Fairy, uh, um, the Dublin Racing Festival now to change my mind on Jade Degruji. Yeah, I completely agree. Like um, all over Jade Degruji, we put her up at 
what was it, 14 to 1, 12 to 1 for the Mirrors Novice Hurdle. I started getting a little bit lukewarm when she hit yeah. 8 to 1, but funnily enough, on the back of that performance, I think 3 to 1 is a very, very, very fair price. And I'll go in again. Brian's been obviously well aware of like the fact that this or that Dysart Enos is probably almost winning too easily in the races. Like you see, mm. Pad, Paddy Brennan did everything he could to keep a horse upsides him going to the last just to mm. get this horse in a race. Like I know he, the horse has never come off the bridle, but he was almost taking a pull down to last, getting the horses onto his girths again. Uh, they're very well aware they're not going to find a competitive enough race to get this horse really ready for a horse like J.D. Gruji. But they're thinking, at least if we just keep running her, keep putting her in races, she might just be a bit hardier than J.D. Gruji is on the day. Mm. I, that looks to be the idea to me, and I'd say she'd definitely run again between now and March. If they can find a race, experience might be key as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. she have two more, two or three more runs under her belt than Jade Degrucci has coming and in, coming into this. And Willie can't win everything. You have to give someone no. else a chance as well. So. We are talking about the mayor's novice, though. Yeah, <laughs> we can give, we can give. Yeah, but uh, the British. To be fair, I know Fergal's Irish, but he's based in Britain, mm -hmm. and the British fight back is on. They've won the last two runnings of the mayor's novice hurdle, so mm -hmm. maybe. The balance of power is shifting. It's not, but we have to try and appease the number one audience for the Final Furlong Podcast, which is very much the United Kingdom, uh, mostly through Apple Podcasts as well. And if you're listening to this show on Apple Podcasts, thank you. Hit subscribe on the YouTube page. Thanks very much. Uh, that being said, though, about Britain, you've got Jericho de Repine for the Supreme Novice Hurdle and Gidley Park uh, for the Ballymore Novice Hurdle. We'll go with him before we end with Jericho de Repine. The new one was second to Adfordshire Cross in this in 2013 before going on to win the Ballymore. Messini's Maguire was third in this in, 20, in 2007 before he went on to win the Ballymore slash Barringham Bingham now that they've dropped their sponsorship of it. None of the previous winners have gone on to actually win the Ballymore itself. It's been a better trial for the potato race with three winners going on to do the double and a couple of horses who were beaten going on to win there as well. Uh, what did you make of Gidley Park, big strapping son of Walk in the Park, Katie Young? Yeah, I thought it was like performance here. Um, I don't know if the race was kind of run to suit him. I think he's options two and a half entry. Um, he looks like he's cruising speed to be suited by a strong gallop. Um, and he looks as though he's the potential to stay three mile with no problems. Um, I think he's a better price for the barring billiam. Let's say maybe leaning towards that. Um, I thought he might have took a keener hold than ideal. He was kind of fighting for his head um, a bit throughout the race. I think once he learns to kind of relax and switch off, I think he'll be a much better horse going forward. Um, he looks as though he could be a little horse that's maybe a little bit ignorant at times. Um, mm -hmm. Johnny was trying to bring him back a few of his hurdles. And he was just losing concentration um, on some of, of his approaches to his hurdles. Um I think he looks like he'd be a bit more fluent if you could kind of let him sort himself out coming into his hurdles instead of trying to get into a fight with him. Um, I think that will come in time with him. But I think the key with him is just to get him to switch off. And I think once once he, once he you can get him to switch off, I think it will massively benefit with his jumping. Um, I think he's very novice still and there's still improvement to come. Um, but I just liked the way he was headed at the last and was uh, still able to find plenty. Um, 
I like that, see that in a horse that can kind of get headed and then put the head down to get back up. Um, I thought that was a really nice performance. Um, I thought, um, yeah, overall nice performance, still plenty to work on, but yeah, I don't know whether he'll be troubling any of uh, the Irish, but yeah, he could, he could blossom into a nice horse in the future. Yeah, his jumping wasn't the best. Really bad no. blunder at the fifth. He didn't settle yeah. very well either, but he's but probably going to have learned. Yeah, what? that's what I was trying to, my point about, Johnny always seemed to be in a fight with him. And I mm. think he was coming into, Johnny was trying to fight him back. He wasn't concentrated, coming down his hurdles. He was just kind of a bit ignorant coming into him. If, if he could just switch off, I think he's one of them horses that you probably just need to leave alone. And like the more you fight with him, the more he's going to fight with you. And then it's just going to go completely wrong. I think if you can just learn to switch off, his jumping will improve massively for it. But it's just whether it, he will do that this season. Um, I think that's the big question with him. There's enough, there's plenty of raw ability there. It's just trying to put everything together. And it just might take time with him. Yeah, you could also argue that Johnny Burke has given him a more efficient ride than the runner-up. He's saved yeah. ground. Yeah. Um, but look, he's a lovely prospect. He's going to be a smashing chaser. It's such a cliche, yeah. but he will be. Um, I think Isaac Desobo, who was in behind, is another nice long-term prospect, as is Johnny Hu, who to me looks ideal for the potato race and probably um, has now moved ahead in my reckoning of, well, the Welcome to Cartier's project just has not worked out at all, I'm afraid. So if you follow me on, on that one, Wow, I'm sorry. Apologies. But Johnny Hu, on the other hand, I'm seriously considering backing him for the potato race. Just haven't had a bet in the race yet. Um, what was your overall impression of the race, George? I, I think this fell apart a little bit. I think Antrim Coast and Johnny Hu probably are the two main contenders to Gidley Park. And I think this probably came a bit too soon after a grueler in the Challo for Johnny Hu. And Antrim Coast has run so bad in the first time tongue-tied. You think either... He's absolutely hated the tongue-tie or whatever win problem they saw has worsened. Lucky place in Isaac Desobo to me. Like Isaac Desobo might turn into quite a nice handicap chaser in time, but he's done his winning at Class 4 level and he's been found out when he stepped out of it. Lucky place has been beaten twice at Class 4 level and has still pushed his horse very close. I think this horse is going to have to mm -hmm. improve an awful lot to make any dent in a Ballymore would be the way I'd be looking at this. I think the horse probably to take out of it, if you had to take one, is Johnny Who. you say that that was a proper grueler in the Chalo and what we're not very long after it, are we? Is it 20, 20, 30th of December, 27th of Jan. Long oh, enough. Three and a half weeks? Yeah. Like long enough between two sort of runs in fast threes on good ground. Not that long to be after being beaten two lengths in heavy ground in a chalo, you know, a race that traditionally well, it's a graveyard for Cheltenham, isn't it? So imagine trying to run three and a half weeks later. Um, yeah. if you had to take one out of it for me, it'd be him. I was quite underwhelmed, if I'm honest. Yeah, I was too. I, I think he's a lovely long term prospect, but the idea of him winning at Ballymore, no, nah. I, I, I don't see it personally. Uh, can you see Jericho de Rapine winning a Supreme? Because if George was underwhelmed by Harry Fry's horse there, and I still think he's a lovely horse long-term, I was really underwhelmed by Jericho de Repine, especially given all the hype there is surrounding him. Um, he's also not beaten a 140-weighted horse yet. So 
Who the hell is this horse? Katie Young. Yeah, um, I can see where people are kind of coming from and they were disappointed that he didn't win by 10 lengths on the rival. But I wasn't too discouraged. Um, I thought they hacked pretty much most of the race uh, and then they sprinted down the home straight. That wouldn't have suited him. I thought he took a few guessy jumps along the way. Didn't quite like that. However, I do think off the back of a stronger pace, I think that will iron out. His best three jumps were in the home straight when they were really striding on and attacking his hurdles. I thought he was magic coming down the home straight. And if you rewatch, you might see um, kind of my point there. I think with him at this point in his kind of career, coming into the Supreme now, he's had he's had two runs there, cantering around, not coming off the bridle. Like you, I think you want to see a horse coming into the Supreme and see what they can do in a battle. And to me, he's shown that he's tough. Like, nothing went to plan in the race. Like, he, like, he could have lost, he could have finished second easily in that race. But I just love, like, there was a few questions about him lugging left. I don't think he was. I think he was just the way, I just think it's the way he holds his head. He jumped off mm. from the get-go and he just holds his, his head just slightly at an angle. That's just him. I don't think there's anything to kind of pick that apart. Um, I just... I just like the way I, I just like to see him in a battle and he pulled it out of the bag and he actually was pulling the way closer to the line again. There's more to come from him. I think the kind of the drift in price out to seven between seven and ten to one, I think is I think is a bit of a dramatic um a dramatic take on this. I was yeah, okay, fair enough. It wasn't impressive, but what we've learned today is that he can do it in a battle and there's some of these horses coming into this race that have just been cantering around winning by 10 lengths and do we know what's under the bonnet? No, but we've kind of seen that there's something there under the bonnet with him and he can pull it out of the bag in a battle and he's tough and that's what I liked about this performance. Yeah, that would be the positive, George. He's learned something that will surely benefit him going forward, but I was expecting something special here. I was expecting something special from him the previous day as well. I kind of was expecting something special from him on debut. And watching back those three runs this morning, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I like look this this performance in itself. They're they're, they're nice horses he's beaten. But he, I would have expected to have seen him beat them much further. There were there were better horses than these left in at the five-day stage, who I think might have beaten him the way he ran at the, at the weekend. There were, it was one of those races, I went through it before Dex, and there were about, I think there were two that I actually half fancied, and I was like, oh, well, if there's eight runners, I'll play this one each way. And I, I sort of fell apart at the Dex this race, and he's, again, pretty similar to Gidley Park. I sort of expected him to beat them, be them, beat them further than that. You look through his races... The only winners, the only horses he's beaten that have gone on to win are Centara from his maiden, um, sorry, from his, yeah, from his maiden hurdle that he beat six and a quarter lengths. Um, but it literally, it tried to run out of the last two that day and went and just about like, I mean, it had its head in the air the whole way, but just about won, um, it was a class four at Taunton, novice hurdle. And then there's one right down the bottom, um, I don't need to say name of the horse, but the horse that um, 
finish last. This year, dear No, no, no. There's, there's a horse in its maiden hurdle that um, finished last or second last in three maiden hurdles and then won a mare's handicap on handicap debut. And that's all I need to say about that. Um, I'm on my way. <laughs> yes. We, we don't need to mention that. But I would say, yeah, that, that doesn't add to his form beating that horse yeah. on that particular day. Um, yeah, I would, I would like to have seen more. And with Knight of the Supreme, there are other horses that prove more at this point. It's certainly not Ballyburn troubling form, is it? It's probably not Mystical Power troubling form. Probably not Farron Glory troubling form, to be honest. Um, or Caldwell Potter. Yeah, I'd, I'd struggle to see him in the three if he replicates that at Cheltenham. Some people are going to think you're bonkers for saying that because it's Nicky and there's been so much hype about him. He's unbeaten in three runs. Surely there's going to be loads of more improvement. There probably is, but I suspect it'll be over fences next season. I don't think this fellow is going to be suited to the Supreme at all. There's loads more improvement in the others as well. And they're better than, they're better than him now. And they'll be even better than him come then. Yeah. And the horse that Ballyburn beat uh, at the Leverstown Christmas Festival absolutely bolted up in a novice hurdle the other day. So we were having a discussion last week about what's he beaten, how's that form worked out. Well, suddenly something emerges from that race um, to, go and, to go and look pretty decent. All right, that's it. Uh, what was the standout performance of the weekend for you, Katie? If you say Jericho de Repine, you could walk out of here. <laughs> if you'd said Jericho de Repine, you would have walked out of here a legend. <laughs> well, I'm still holding on hope that he will be a good horse, but performance of the weekend, definitely not him. Lost him out for me, stand out, couldn't falter in any in any way at all. I thought she was just outstanding. Um, a horse I like to see back to form, Capadano, another good performance. So they were the two for me. Jade DeGrucci and Lost him out, the 2024 champion hurdle winner for me who will be the 2024, 2025, 2026, 2027, and 2028 Mayor's Hurdle winner, George, more than likely. Uh, what was your standout performances? I, I'd say I, I'm in agreement with you two on them, but I was very impressed with Sergino. I've, I've really, I think the others would have to start running now to beat him in the triumph. I can't see something coming out that's more impressive than that. Mm. I'd just say a couple that we haven't touched on that are well worth noting were Brides Hill was very good at Huntingdon, and if for whatever yeah. reason, Dino Blue did reroute to the champion chase. Would be very interesting for the Bears chase. And tell me something, girl. Very quietly returned to form behind Zarek the Brave. Um, you know, two years ago, I was running a very good race in the Mayor's race from being brought down. Um, and yeah, got beat a length and a quarter by Zarek the Brave, which is the best we've seen, best we've seen from her in a little while. If she was returning to form, she could be one to note for Cheltenham, whether for a handicap or for one of the mayor's races. For, well, only one mayor's race. She's not going chasing again. Um, you know, like her last season was a bit of an abortive mission, wasn't it? She couldn't jump a fence at all. And this is her second run back over hurdles um, in a grade three. And it showed a marked return to form. I just think it's important people keep an eye on her going forward. Oh, great. My broadband has decided to go completely bananas just as the show is ending. 
one the super high-powered broadband that three promised me would fix all the issues, which is why a aerial was attached to my house because that's going to fix everything. Trying to watch Masters of the Air on Apple TV Plus, which is great, by the way. Uh, oh, it paused yeah. five times. Five times. A show couldn't stream on this super high-powered three internet broadband. Jesus. <sighs> We should just very, 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 very briefly mention Embassy Gardens. Uh, really like Paul Nolan. I even like the horse that finished second, Sandor Clegane. He'd need to start now uh, to have any chance of beating Embassy Gardens at the Cheltenham Festival. And his best opportunity would be a handicap, which he's now qualified for. He's had four runs. So to put him in the Ultima. But the way Paul Nolan was talking about was going for either the Brown Advisory or the National Chase. Zero chance in either of those races. But Embassy Gardens would be yet another big player for Willie Mullins in the National Hunt Chase. Can Patrick Mullins ride three horses in the same race, George? I'm sure he can try. The way he's riding at the minute, I'm sure he'll give it a good go. Um, but yeah, um, probably narrowly be the one I'd pick if I was him. But um, look, it, look, look, it looks like solid form. He couldn't have done it much easier, could he? He's qualified now, is he? Or does he have to run once more? To run in the That's it. Run. He's in now. Is it because he's run over three miles? It's not a number of races, though, yeah. is it? No. Um, no. Yeah, uh, you have to have had. No, he's he's qual. I've I looked at the criteria. He is qualified. Don't ask me what the qualification is, because my brain is not good enough to be able to remember what I read. Just that it's already telling me, dum dum, he's qualified. Don't ask any questions. Um, I th I think this is slowly shaping up to be one of the races of the festival national aren't chase now you've got embassy gardens corbett's cross is halved in price flooring porter is very short for this i wouldn't want to be well i don't know what amateur they'll find to ride it but i hope he's got one very strong arm oh he's all right going around the um, gentleman <laughs> He's going uh, the other way, he needs a strong arm. Danny had to put two hands on one rein after he jumped the last in the stairs on him, didn't he? <laughs> he's, st he's, he's still yeah. going through the other rail. <laughs> yeah, he um, got the rail, he might be all right. And, and he's got to go an extra mile than everyone else has been going on him as well. Yeah, true. You have to be very fit. <laughs> You've got Nick Rocket meeting the waters, Manella Kakuna, three card brag. Broadway boy could well come here now. He, he, he'd have no heart yeah. in the brown advisory, would he? Um, no. Fabri de Chandu, obviously we're still on. We're potentially talking about Stay Away Bay maybe coming here now. Like This could be an absolute cracker. Mm. And to think they wanted to bin this race off, this could, be, oh. this could be the race of the festival in terms of competitiveness, certainly away from the handicaps. Um, I'll be really looking forward to this. Um, but he's, he's certainly his favourite and he deserves to be at the moment. He's certainly got the edge. Like That was a very, very polished performance the last day. And yeah, I probably have had to be on one of them at the current prices. It would probably be him. I'm still very interested in Manila Kakuner and Nick Rocket and Favre de Chambeau and <laughs> Corpus Cross. It's a nightmare of a race to try and work out. Uh, which of them is even going to run? They'll have to. Uh, they'll have to upgrade this to a grade one. I'd say next year, rather looking <laughs> at the way it's turning out. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely katie this is the novice chase of cheltenham like great we're all excited for the arkle if by the way if gaelic warrior beats marine national then gaelic warrior is going to run in the arkle and marine national has basically got well his chance is compromised 
at least. It won't say he's got no chance if he's beaten at Leopardstown. But it's just being... He's been priced up as though he's already won the Irish article. So let's say he does. Well, then Marie Nationale is just... It's crowning glory. It's a... Mike... Mikey just waving to everybody and they give him the trophy after he jumps the last. Gaelic Warrior won't go if he's beaten in the Irish Arkle. Fact of file, we know is going to win the Turners. Brown Advisory is interesting. Um, a lot of these horses are obviously going to cross over, but this is just thinking, a strange amount of strength and depth for this race. I just think Marie Nationale, like, if he gets beat in the Irish Arkle, he don't step up in trip, does he? There's no he's not going to go for the National Chase, George. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's too fast to step up in trip. He's too fast for a Turners. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the scenario. He gets stuffed, stuffed by um, Gaelic Warrior in the Irish Arkle. There's only one race he could go for at Cheltenham. Champion Hurdle. Yeah. Oh, oh shit, Dylan. We've done it. We've turned the champion he's, hurdle into he's a He's cracked race. it. Lossy Mel. Georgie Boy's cracked it. Marie Nationale. We actually now want Marie Nationale. Barry Connell, cover your ears for a second. We actually want Marie Nationale to get beaten now so that he can come out and crush Constitution Hill in the champion hurdle. <sighs> that, what a world that would be. What a world that would be. Yeah. And they've devalued the mayor's race to a grade two. So Lossy Mouth has to go there as well. We've got the race of the festival out of the least competitive race. <laughs> I was I was chatting to Lydia Hislop about this at the weekend, and I think I think we can persuade her to like hack into the BHA system, use her considerable influence, and downgrade that race to a great team. Yeah, why wouldn't she do? She'd do that for us. We ask her nicely. Of course, Seems of course. Lydia's a big lady. fan of the Final Furlong podcast. Did she go out of her way to sabotage her career <laughs> in order to what? What a blaze of glory to go out on. Well, in uh, fairness, she, she, famously, she did famously sabotage her career by asking Nikki Henderson questions. She did famously <laughs> sabotage her career by asking Nikki Henderson, Henderson questions once. Moving because, swiftly along and on yeah. that bombshell, we're done. All right, uh, from Katie Young, George Gorman, and myself, Andy Kennedy, thank you very much for listening, for watching. Hope you enjoyed it. If you have not subscribed to us on YouTube yet, do so now. You might win yourself a pair of tickets worth €140 Euros total for the Dublin Racing Festival. You can choose whichever day you want to go to, you and a friend, uh, after the Dublin Racing Festival with voucher for food, voucher for a drink, and a free tote bed. Uh, we'll announce the winner on Thursday's show. Paul Ferguson coming back to the Final Forum podcast uh, this week to look ahead to the Dublin Racing Festival. Um, Adam Mills is here with another French special and a leading racehorse owner joining us for a Final Forum podcast special as well. Plus, Josh Appiaffi from Sky Sports Racing. Uh, will be alongside us for an industry special. Really enjoy talking to Josh and hope you'll enjoy listening to it as well. From George, Katie and myself, be safe, be well, look after yourself and each other. God bless.